Welcome to National Disability Services Quality and Safeguards podcast series. This series has been developed to support Victorians to transition to the NDIS Quality and Safeguards Commission, which will take effect in Victoria for NDIS participants on the 1st of July 2019. I'm Dave Ralph, Victorian Quality and Safeguards Manager with National Disability Services, and we're here today to talk about what people who use disability services need to know about the changes that are coming under the NDIS Quality and Safeguards Framework. I'm joined here today by our studio guest, Peter Johnston. So Peter, would you like to start by introducing yourself? My name is Peter Johnston. I have a disability and therefore I'm a client of a service. I like to um, read and and, um, and I do video editing on a voluntary basis, (laughs) as well as a lot of other voluntary work. So I, I choose to do all that. Fantastic. Thank you. And am I right in saying that you currently have an NDIS plan? Yes, that's correct. I have an NDIS plan, yep. So one of the things we're here to talk about today is the transition to the National Disability Insurance's Quality and Safeguards Commission, and that's due to take effect in Victoria Mm -hmm. on the 1st of July this year, and it's in place for NDIS participants. So do you think it's important that service providers are supporting people who use their services to understand that these changes are coming? Yes, I think it's very important. I, th- I think it's it should be part of their business practice to inform you. Of, it's it's like a particularly now with us being able to purchase services, it should be part of them being transparent and and telling us this is the code of conduct that the service need to abide by. You know. Yes, yeah, certainly. And how do you think that's best achieved? In my experience of purchasing a service. A person has come from that service and gone through the paperwork and should be a part of that paperwork and this is the code of conduct, this is what it is, this is what it does and and can you sign that you've understood it? Yeah, so really supporting people to understand what they can expect from the services being provided. Yes, yep, yep. In terms of that... I think it's a national code of conduct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in terms of that and the service's obligation to that and your obligation to that, the client. Mm-hmm. So in regards to the NDIS code of conduct, I'm not sure if you're aware that there is a, a worker orientation module that's recently been released by yep. the NDIS Commission. I, I am aware, yes. Yep. Yeah, yep. so that worker orientation program, the third module in that focuses on the code of conduct. It was developed... Uh, with people with disability who use services and all of the actors within that module mm-hmm. are people with disability. And what they're essentially doing is decoding the code. Mm-hmm. So breaking the code into a more practical conversation so people understand what the code of conduct actually means mm-hmm. in day-to-day support. Do you think a video-based resource such as that, which all staff are being asked to complete, would be helpful for people who use services to have a better understanding of what they can expect? I think so. I think it comes down to the individual. Uh, how how involved do you want to be in being aware of all, all this, you know? For me personally, I'm a, you know, I, I like to lead a fairly normal life and I don't like disability getting in the way, mm. do you know what I mean? Yes. So I don't... I pay the attention I need to, mm. but I don't pay a lot of attention to to that sort of thing. But I think it would be important for people to learn how to how you use that code of conduct in terms of making a complaint. Yes. So I think something like a video would be important to explain how to make a complaint 
around that code of conduct. Yes. And how you use that code of conduct to, to make that complaint. And you touch on another important change that is due to occur under the NDIS quality and safeguarding framework, and that is the process of, of making complaints. Here in Victoria, uh, obviously, if you're unhappy with the services that you've been provided, you're able to complain to your service provider. Mm-hmm. And then if you're still unhappy with the response you've received, there's other avenues such as complaining to the Disability Services Commissioner. Yes. After the 1st of July, complaints will be able to be made directly to the NDIS Commission. Mm-hmm. So again, how do you think service providers need to be talking to the people who use their services about these changes that are coming, ensuring that they know how to make a complaint and who they can complain to? I think it needs to be, they need to talk very directly and they need to do it in a plain and simple way mm-hmm. and, and a transparent way. Yeah. But I also have a concern that because um, it's a national complaints procedure and um, it's a national code of conduct, I have a concern with, say, I'm from Victoria mm-hmm. and say services in Victoria, it just seems to me a little bit remote. So I wonder if there's going to be something more directly within these services because it just seems someone in a head office in, for example, Canberra, because that's where everything happens. Yes. (laughs) Um, Are they going to be, you know, dealing with this complaint that's happened in a suburb in Melbourne? And I, I, I have a concern about that. Yeah, it's a good question you raise. So the NDIS Commission will have its head office (laughs) in Penrith in New South Wales. However, in each state and territory, they'll also have an office. Um, And that office, so for in Victoria, Victoria, for example, there's approximately 30 to 35 people who'll be working for the NDIS Commission in Victoria. Um, So when complaints come in about a Victorian service provider, those complaints will be managed and processed within Victoria. So there'll still be opportunities for people to be able to get on the phone to someone more locally and air their concerns. And is there still an opportunity for the service provider to to deal with the complaint in an internal way? And do they have their own code of conducts which still apply? Yeah, very much so. So organisations, whilst they will need to comply with the NDIS code of conduct, organisations will often have their own code of conduct, which they ask their workers to um, comply with. And yes, absolutely, it's a requirement for all service providers to have a complaints management system in place internally. Because first and foremost, if someone's unhappy with the services they've received, they should be able to go to their service provider and say, I'm not happy. And it's that complaints management process which is which is fundamental yes um, and then if the service user is still unhappy or has further issues that they would like to address yeah. then it's an option for them to also go to the NDIS commission if they'd like to take that complaint further so that process that whole process the complaint initially with the service provider then up and up and up if it's needs to be escalated it needs to be explained in a direct simple way in a very transparent way. Yes. And again, I guess in a way that's meaningful for the person. Yeah. So that needs to be really individualised and understanding what support someone may need to understand what those complaints processes are. Yeah. And ensuring that they have, if necessary, supports from their family or decision makers or advocates to support them throughout that process of making a complaint also. Yep. 
So does this office in Penrith, does this replace the head office in Geelong? That's an important distinction to make. So the NDIS Commission is a different organisation to the National Disability Insurance Agency who are based in Geelong here in Victoria. So if a person who uses services has complaints to make about their NDIS plan or about the funding that they've received, those complaints would be directed to the NDIA, whose head office is in Geelong. If a person who uses services has complaints about breaches to the code of conduct or any concerns around the quality and safety of supports that are being provided to them, those complaints would then go to the NDIS Commission. So Peter, why do you think that it's important that people with disability are involved in meetings and decision-making processes that might relate to the services and supports that they are provided? I think it's important because they, they have input. It can tend to be under the guise of consultation, but decisions have already been made, but they have a representation at that meeting so they can then turn around and say, well, this was said and I said this and you said that. So they have that representation and also just to be informed of what's going on within their service and how things are being done. One of the things that's changing under the NDIS Commission is that from the 1st of July, service providers in Victoria will need to be compliant with what's called the practice standards, the NDIS practice standards. And there's a whole range of outcomes for NDIS participants which are listed in the practice standards. One of them relates to, it's called governance and operational management, but it essentially outlines that opportunities need to be provided by organisations for people with disability to contribute to the governance of the organisation and to actually have input into the development of policies and processes and any decisions that might affect their lives. So that's a key change going forward and organisations are going to need to demonstrate how they're including people in conversations. And so in terms of meetings that you've been involved with, Peter, what do you think is helpful in terms of a good meeting or a meeting that's not so great? I think more recently it's been much better because I've really felt like I've been involved, uh, like I've been on customer and stakeholder representative committees Mm -hmm. and I felt like this has been recently and I felt like I'm actually making a contribution and my feedback is being used Mm. whereas in the past a long time in the past I've often felt like it's a tokenistic situation you know a token person with a disability Mm. so I think it's improving in that there's less tokenism you know it's less about the quota or or the the person with the disability representation it's it is more about no you are involved and yeah yeah and so what advice would you give to other service providers around how they could be doing that better just look for opportunities you know i've been on interview panels and and um mass information sessions where my voice is heard and, and in terms this is in terms of recruiting mm. direct uh, disability support workers mm-hmm. 
and my voice is heard. So looking for any opportunity you can within the organisation, within the service provider organisation, mm-hmm. as to where you can involve your your clients or your customers in um, the running of the organisation. It's probably difficult because of the purchaser model, so there's potential for conflict, but, you know. Yeah, no, you give some excellent advice there. So, Dave, um, if I wanted to know more information about these changes, where would I go to? Yeah, so all of the information about the changes that are coming is on the NDIS Commission's website. So that's at www.ndiscommission.gov.au. More and more information is placed on that website each and every week, and they are working on developing resources to support people who use services to understand what the changes are. However, I think it's also up to service providers to be, like we spoke about earlier, thinking about how this information can be delivered to the people who use their services in a way that's meaningful to them. And that's going to be different for each and every person that they support. For more information, have a look at the Quality and Safeguards page on our National Disability Services website. Keep your eye on the NDIS Commission's website for up-to-date information about quality and safeguarding arrangements and a range of resources to support providers and NDIS participants. Further information about Victoria's quality and safeguards arrangements during transition can be found on the Victorian Government's NDIS website. We've provided hyperlinks to these websites in the podcast summary, along with some useful resources. This podcast has been funded by the Victorian Government.